0: It's Monday, the 5th of June, 2023. All right, uh, let's lead off this segment with um, uh, just a little good news announcement. For those of you who have felt disconnected because our text line has been dysfunctional and down, well, guess guess what? It's operational again. It's up and running. The text line is open and working. You can text me right now just to check it out for yourself. 877-933-2484. You can text me, love to hear from you. Now let me go ahead and say this, our text line forgot everything that it knew um, before it fell apart. And so um, that means that when you text in, it would be really, really helpful if you'd identify yourself and where you are, um, where you are like, right? Mm -hmm. You can always tell me where you are in the word. It's also be kind of fun to know where you are in the world. Uh, And so when you text in uh, on this newly upgraded text line, Yeah, it'd be great if you would remind me who you are, because otherwise you will just be a series of numbers. And that's no fun. Nobody wants to be a number. Everybody wants to be known by their name. So some of you already know that you're up and awake. So you've already texted this morning. If you would um, follow up those text messages with your name and maybe where you are, like geographically in the world, that'd be fun for me to know. Um, So thank you so much. Again, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. And the text line is open, 877-933-2484. Okay, the growling you hear in the background is sassy um, trying to discipline the new puppy. Girls, hush, studio dogs. Hey. All right. Sorry about that. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Today's Growing Your Faith, verses of the day. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You should imagine that just for a moment. Ever-bearing fruit trees planted by rivers of living water. Have you noticed how often that image actually appears in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, um, this comes from Jeremiah seventeen seven and 8. But um, Psalm 1 leads off with blessed is the man who walks in the not not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like what? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither in all he does. He prospers. Um, or Isaiah 61, uh, um, which is a a parallel passage, or Jesus' teaching in John 15 uh, about the vine and the branches, Um, about fruit-bearing as believers and disciples of Jesus, or maybe Matthew 7, where Jesus um, is talking about being beware of False prophets who come in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves. He says, We'll recognize them by their fruits. Every tree um, is actually going to be judged by its fruit. You'll recognize them by their fruits. So, if you're going to be recognized by your fruits, what fruit are you bearing today? Uh, You can always look at Galatians 5 for a list of the fruit that we want to be bearing in ever greater abundance love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. And we want to be um, planted in the living water of of Jesus Christ. And we want to be planted, um, like right and rooted and grounded in the word of God. So I guess maybe as we consider Jeremiah 17, 78, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. We ought to ask ourselves, who's my hope? Who's my confidence? And when we read from the prophet that um, those who are blessed, who are trusting in the Lord they're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. We ought to ask ourselves, well, where have you know, where have I planted my life? Where in what or in whom am I rooted? Where am I building my life? And where do my roots run deep? So just uh, you know, give the verse of the day um an examination today, and then examine yourself uh, in response to it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Again, the text line is open. I'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back to continue our conversation. All righty. Good morning again. Thank you to each of you and all of you who are texting in on, uh, on the text line. Uh, April in Fargo. Good morning. Um, how is a list of numbers versus names an upgrade? Um, well, okay. So we made a transition from one texting service to another. And let's just say that in the transition, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever like moved across the country or even across town and maybe, I don't know, you accidentally didn't tie everything down appropriately. And some of it, like, you know, when you arrived, you were like, huh. I' pretty sure that that box of papers you know uh, that was on the back of the truck, yeah, where is that? okay, so yeah, so just you could think of it that that way. I don't know, I don't know where some of the information went, but it's not there, and so thank you for helping us when you text in um at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four it'd just be great if you tell us uh again, like April did, hey, I'm April, I'm in Fargo. these are my questions um. All right. So uh, so thank you uh, for helping us in that way. Mary Rose, I see you. Um, thank you uh, for to Lori in Lampasas. And uh, yeah, thank you to each and every one. Let's see. I'm scrolling down. Shirley is here in Wisconsin. The Maxvilles, uh, Piper, Kansas. Hello. Good morning. Oh, see, see, this is really fun. I love it. Jim and Jim Simsbury. Hey, dude, no surprise. Thank you so much for being here. Patrice. Uh, Patrice is texting in from Dun, 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 Panama City Beach, Florida. Patrice, what is going on in Panama City Beach, Florida? That is nice to know. Anne is back in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, yeah, so thank you so very much. Love to know um, who's out there and what you're doing. Paul, I see you. Um, good morning to you as well. Uh, yeah, where is Bob? Where's Bob in Wisconsin? Bob, I uh, I saw on Facebook that you uh, you got a handicap hang tag, so we're praying for you as well, and that, you know, life transition. May the Lord uh, heal what ails you, my brother. All right, you can always text me, eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Deb in Fargo, good morning. Lydia in Minneapolis, David in Ellington, Connecticut. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, no, Mary Rose, you will not always have to put your name in, but if you do it the first time, then Paul will diligently have something to do while I'm talking. He will be he will be adding those names to the podcast. Oh, I always have something going room.
1: on, even while you're talking.
0: That's <laughs> not a problem. Uh, creating work for Paul. Yeah. So that's Paul Perot. He's the producer of this show. If when you text in, you want to say good morning to him, he's actually the one doing the work. I am just the one talking. Um, all right. So um, one of the things we talked about at the end of last week was I think it was on Friday. We talked about this like negative spiritual domino effect in terms of the games that we play with God. And we looked at that passage from James, where, you know, like one thing leads to another and eventually it leads to death. And somebody over the weekend said, hey, there's so many good news stories out there about positive spiritual domino effects. And so I thought, you know what? I'm gonna bring one of those forward this morning. And so I want you to imagine a series of people, a series of people um, you know, set up like dominoes, and you know how you touch the first domino, and you know it all—they all fall down, right? Um, well, I want you to imagine that in like the most positive way right now, and I want I want you to see the first domino as a person, not as a domino. So this first domino's name is Edward, and Edward Kemble had a burden um, for one of his Sunday school students to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so I just want you to think for a moment about all of those people out there across the country who are um, teaching Sunday school, leading Sunday school for junior high and senior high students. And I want you to imagine that one of those is named Edward. And Edward has this like God places this burden on his heart for one particular student in his Sunday school class. And that student happened to work in a shoe store. And so Kimball um, went to see that student at the shoe store and over the course of their conversation led that student to Christ. And that student's name was Dwight L. Moody. So I don't know if you know the name of Dwight L. Moody, but um, let's just say that when, you know, when Edward Kimball used used his calling as a Christian disciple to influence the life of Dwight L. Moody, the Dwight L. Moody domino, when it fell, um, it fell against, in terms of influence, many, many others. Dwight L. Moody went on to become an evangelist. You might know him because of the Moody Bible Institute or Moody Publishing or Moody Radio. Um, In 1879, so this is going to be a long line of dominoes here, Dwight Moody um, went on a preaching tour in the British Isles. And he was speaking at a very small chapel. It was pastored by a guy named Frederick Brotherton Meyer. And that's when another spiritual domino fell. So, in his sermon, Dwight Moody told a very emotional story about, well, a Sunday school teacher who he knew personally, who went to every student in his class and eventually won them to Christ. It's obviously Edward Kimball's story. Moody's Sunday school teacher, who'd come to see him at the shoe store. Remember that? Well, the message really touched Pastor Meyer. And from that moment forward, his ministry really dramatically changed. Like another domino was about to fall. So, over the next several years, Meyer came to America several times to preach. And on one of those trips, he visited Northfield, Massachusetts. And um, he was at this small church. There was a very confused young preacher sitting in the back row as Pastor um, Meyer, you know, was saying, look, I mean, if you're not willing to give everything to God, then are you willing to be made willing? And Wilbur Chapman prayed God in all the ways that I'm not willing, make me willing. Well, Edward Chapman went on to become a very effective evangelist, and lots of volunteers were needed in order to set up the 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 Chapman crusade, like these crusade events, right? So, you know, volunteers came forward to help. Well, one of the volunteers is, you know, overhearing what's being said at the revival, right? And so he's watching, and he starts imitating Chapman, Maybe even initially um in a way that wasn't totally honoring to bill <laughs> to William Chapman, but anyway, that volunteer who was um led to cultivate his preaching gift, well, his name is Billy Sunday, and as he cultivated his ability to preach, this you know next spiritual domino falls into place. Billy Sunday eventually took over the Chapman ministry, thousands of people turned to Jesus. And in, um, in 1924, Billy Sunday um, held a crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, a whole group of people, a whole committee of Christians committed themselves to reaching their city for Jesus Christ. And so they invited a guy named Mordecai Ham to hold a series of evangelistic meetings. And this is like 1932. So um, there's a kid, a 16-year-old kid, sitting in the crowd um, who would later recount that as Mordecai Ham, you know, like was was preaching, he said, God, it felt like I was just talking right at me, right to me. So the next spiritual domino to fall, well, his name is Billy Graham. We could tell you the rest of the story, but my guess is you know someone whose spiritual domino was touched by the life of Billy Graham. So um, we talk about the spiritual domino effect in terms of the negative things. Um, let's also remember the spiritual domino effect It's tremendously positive. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen. All available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. You remember, like, I don't know, maybe (laughs) it might be 30 years ago now. Remember the ad campaign um, that featured Michael Jordan and it was all be like Mike? <clears throat> well, I have a be like Mike story for you this morning. This particular Mike uh, is Mike or Michael Wimmer, um, and he's from um, Salisbury or Salisbury, North Carolina. He's 14 years old, um, he's a member of Mensa. He has uh, now earned both his high school and associate and bachelor degrees all within the last three years. Um, Oh, did I say that he's 14? Um, He has also been running uh, two tech companies. He started a third one, and he has partnered with a Bermuda-based organization that's working to control the population of lionfish, which are an invasive species there. Um, He also is, maybe surprisingly, a self-described extrovert. Uh, and I want to lift up his story in part because of his parents and the way that his parents have positive, positively responded to having such an extraordinary child. Um, and nor, nor normally or ordinarily, we think of people with extremely high IQs as being introverted. But it might be because they didn't have parents like Mike has had who have helped him along the way cultivate the social skills um, and navigate the social environments where he finds himself even as a very young person. so um, so I want to say this first of all, congratulations uh, to Mark and Melissa Wimmer and congratulations to Michael on all his accomplishments to this point. And we certainly look forward to seeing the extraordinary things um, which you know are yet to come in the future. But it reminded me of the story from Luke chapter two uh, verses 41 to fifty two where, you know, Jesus and his family are in Jerusalem for the annual celebration celebration of the Passover. He's just 12 years old. Um, and when the festival was over, his parents are returning home. Now, it's not like, you know, everybody's getting in their private vehicle and returning home. They're returning home with their whole clan, right? So there's just a lot of people traveling in the same direction. And so, you know, they assume that 12-year-old Jesus is, you know, hanging out with his bros in the back or in some other part of the crowd, right, moving obediently back um, toward home. And so it's not until they get all the way home that they, well, they traveled for a whole day. Yeah. So all the way home probably before they realize, hey, um, Jesus is actually not with the group. So they head back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they find him in the temple. He is sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Um, and we all know the rest of the story when his parents saw him, they you know they're like, "You know, why have you treated us like this? You know, your father and I have been anxious anxiously searching for you for days and he's like, "Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I would be at my father's house and Of course, they didn't understand what he was saying, and so he went back with them to Nazareth. he was obedient to them um this is one of the other this is one of the n- numerous places where scripture records that Mary treasured something in her heart, like pondered something in her heart. And then verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Um, And so when I think of the story of this young man, Michael Wimmer, um, one of the things that stands out in the story is that he was invited at one point to attend an event um, with nearly 70 um, people with PhDs. So, you know, obviously people who were Full- grown adults, let's say <clears throat> and um and they joked there was a there was some you know joking and relationships oh is it you know is it like bring your is it like bring your kid to work day or something like that but over the course of simply engaging um he um yeah here's the part of the story. He was only ten years old when this took place so I want you to imagine yourself at 10. He was asked to attend a one-week event hosted by the United States Special Operations Command. There were um, 70 Ph.D. level technology experts uh, in the room. And on the first day, a lot of people were like, is this bring your kid to work day? But instead of speaking on behalf of his son, Mike's dad, Mark, said, I just told him, work, work the room, do your thing. And his dad sat quietly in the back, and by Wednesday... Um, his son, Mike, who was 10 years old, had, quote, completely flipped the room. He earned their respect. Um, and I guess I just want us to recognize that there are really gifted people in the world. And sometimes because they don't fit what we think they're going to look like, because they're you know either older than we thought they'd be or younger than we thought they'd be, they don't fit our idea of um, the way God might be speaking into this generation. Um, so let's not allow that to be a barrier. Let's actually look for the unusual people who might be um, particularly gifted in a particular way to do something great or grand in this generation. Um, and then let's be surprised. In in particular, let's be su- surprised um, at how youthful they might be and what we might learn from them. I guess uh, also if you happen to be a person who is particularly gifted in a particular way, we want to encourage you. um, We want to encourage you. Be like Mike. Um, Don't put your light under a basket, but let it shine uh, that God might be glorified. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning again. Uh, I don't want to miss anybody. Um, You guys are being so good to check in on the text line this morning. Uh, It is up and running 877-933-2484. It would be great if uh, the first time you text in on our newly updated text line, you would you would uh, let us know your name and uh, where you're texting in from. So good morning, Lydia in Minneapolis, Deb in Fargo. Uh, Mary Rose, um, again, Victoria in South Glastonbury, Connecticut, Cody in Barnum, mm -hmm, Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Just just a little brain. I wanted to say New Mexico. And then I thought that seems dyslexic. Carolyn Kidder in Gallatin, Tennessee. Good morning. Good morning. Wayne in Charleston, West Virginia with an all caps. Good morning. All caps. Good morning to you too, Wayne. Clark Krantz in Bismarck, North Dakota. Good morning. I am having my morning cup of coffee with you as well, Clark. Uh, Novia in Auburn, Alabama. Good morning, good morning. Um, Deb in Madison. Gay in Detroit Lakes. Christina in Charlotte, North Carolina. Fran in Sarasota, Florida. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you all. I would love to uh, say good morning to you as well. Give me a text, 877 933 Eight, four, um. All right. So from Anheuser Busch Bud Light to Target to Kohl's to North Face. Um. Goodness gracious. Maybe even to my favorite Jesus Chicken at Chick Fil A. Companies are being branded as woke capitalists. Capitalists. Um, boycotts are definitely hurting them. Are hurting their bottom lines. And so thought it might be good to have a conversation this morning about. Um, political tactics, sometimes that make a very big splash, and then those things that you and I can actually do that make a big difference in our common life. So that's up next. We're going to talk with our friend Daniel Bennett from John Brown University. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, good morning to uh, Stephen in cluttier iowa good morning to carrie in Barrie, ontario canada uh fran oh i think we already said fran in sarasota uh leslie um is from um hodgkin but is in uh, in austria so guten morgen uh to you leslie uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning as well good morning to diane in fergus falls uh, good morning to Anne, walking dogs and watering flowers good morning to kim in blaine Good morning to uh, Vance in Duluth. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning uh, to Daniel Bennett from John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship Blog. Good morning, brother.
1: Good morning. That was a nice greeting.
0: Well, our, our text line is up and running again, so uh, folks are texting in, and we are reteaching our text line who they are, so it's very exciting. 877-933-2484 if you haven't checked in already. Um, Daniel, uh, a lot going on in the world um Maybe have a conversation with us about. I mean, you know, I can use my participation in the market in terms of like where I choose to shop. I can certainly do that. Um, there's a lot of conversation about boycotts. Can you also talk with us about things that make a real difference in, in our common life?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, this dust up He's- over Target, this dust up over. Ah, uh, Chick Fil A, uh, Bud Light. Uh, if you're a beer drinker, uh, over the last few months, really or weeks, I guess, just really illustrate uh, this this challenge to say, well, I'm not going to shop here. I'm not going to purchase this product. And you know, certainly, I think there's there's a space for that. I mean, you, we have our own autonomy and our agency to decide how to spend our money and you know, reward or or in some cases uh, punish uh, those uh, companies with whose values we might disagree. Um, But for some of these issues that we're choosing to to boycott over, particularly um, LGBT uh, messaging and these kinds of things, boy, it's going to render uh, a lot of the places that we would typically shop at pretty, uh, I mean, it's going to render that list pretty small. Uh, I'm here in Northwest Arkansas, and Walmart is the big store for us. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks that I've that I've read say, well, we're not going to shop at Target anymore. We're going to take our money to Walmart. They're a good American company, you know, part of the country. Uh, they're not captured by this woke stuff. I got to tell you, they have a diversity, equity, inclusion office at Walmart. They have a section for Pride merchandise. Um, so, you know, at some point, we're going to have to be more discerning than to just say, I'm not going to shop anywhere that has any message uh, with which I disagree. Uh, we have to be a bit more, I think, strategic and uh, discerning than that.
0: So I like the uh, Fidelity Month effort that's underway right now. If you guys want to check it out, fidelitymonth.com. Um, mm. For those of us who, you know, appreciate what the book of Genesis says about the rainbow and its purpose, um, let's be people of faith and faithfulness, and let's be people who take the opportunity to uh, to lift that up to others. Um, fidelitymonth.com, definitely worth checking out. Um all right, so um, this falls into the category of what do you make of this hot mess, which <laughs> it's always it's always a good um introduction to any sort of email, right so um there's a lot going on out there in terms of folks who were arrested in relationship to january sixth um some of them you know have now uh served their sentences and um, and they are back in their communities where they started. So I was reading at the end of last week that the so-called QAnon shaman, Jacob Chansley, um, also known as uh, Jake Angeli, Jelly, um, was released from federal prison. He made his return to Arizona. There was a rally held. It was on a, a physical piece of property where a church also rents property. Um, and so that church has now had to come out and say, no, that wasn't our event. Well, now that they've said that wasn't our event, people are like, well, why wasn't that your event? Like it's a, it's just a hot mess. So can you just, I don't know, maybe we could have a conversation about jumping to conclusions and leased and shared spaces and the power of the internet and, you know, all those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different directions we can go with this The first one that comes to mind with me and I feel for this church that that rents a space right this is not their physical building this isn't their property that they've agreed to. To lease out or provide for uh, this particular message it's got to be charity right it's got to be charity in the way that we. uh, Interpret news interpret events respond to people with whom we might have, I would say non essential disagreements. Uh, Just because this church issued a statement saying, hey, you know, this wasn't, uh, you know, our particular sponsored event, uh, that doesn't necessitate a forceful response from people who, you know, would criticize the church on the basis of something more essential. It's not like this church came out and denied the divinity of Jesus, right? This was more of a statement probably to, you know, guard against reprisals from people who disagreed. Uh, with the decision, uh, or w- with this QAnon shaman guy, for them to say, "Hey, this wasn't us. Please don't throw bricks through our windows or this space. Right? It wasn't wasn't our thing." Um, but we, so we could talk about charity. We could talk about uh, the quick, uh, the the lightning speed of the internet to share. I don't know if it's misinformation or quasi misinformation or half truths uh that appeal to our immediate sense of right and wrong uh when if you w- if we would take just a little more time we would we would find that the situation is a bit more nuanced or complex than that but yeah these are these are really difficult i think you said the term hot mess i think that's a really good descriptor for for what's happening lately with these things
0: if you're listening right now, and you say to yourself, "Huh, you know what? I attend a church that's in a rented space, um, and I don't really want my church to be held responsible for other things that take place in spaces that that same property owner um, rents to others." If your church is in any kind of leased space, I want you to imagine for a moment all the other leased leased spaces that that property owner maybe owned, may be own may may be renting out to other people for other purposes. Do you want to be held publicly responsible for all of those things? Of course not. Of course not. It does get us into an interesting conversation about um, space and shared space and particularly how churches across the country, um, those that, I, I mean, this is the only way to say it, some of them close in terms of their services. Um, and then they, their denominations begin using that physical property to generate income for the denomination. That's actually what's going on in this particular space. This was a Lutheran church property. Uh, the church itself um, is no longer meeting, but the denomination is leasing out portions of the property um, for all manner of things. And so I guess I, am, I wonder whether or not the denomination knows that they rented space to the QAnon shaman. There's all kinds of stuff going yeah. on, right? All right, yeah. Uh, Roger, Roger Stone. Um, I mean, certainly an interesting, very, uh, very interesting character. He he has been apparently for a some period of time, and I have not been paying close attention to this story, so forgive me. Um, but Roger Stone has apparently been making some declarations over a period of time about Donald Trump in terms of his like anointing as God's chosen person, and now Roger Stone is making some strange declarations about himself. can you can you help us maybe understand what is happening in terms of these apocalyptic proclamations about not only America but particular people in the storyline?
1: Yeah, my first uh, read on on these comments, uh, and I'm sure you'll put the specific article in the in the show notes here. Uh, But it's just a really classic text or a classic case of proof texting uh, from biblical interpretation and biblical, uh, you know, reading scripture to find a word in scripture and then say, well, this is clearly what's being referred to now uh, in, you know, in 2023. Uh, We're just going to take this and run with it. And, you know, there's something to be said for looking for connections between the Bible and now, I mean, goodness, we hopefully do that every, every day in our reading and in Sunday worship, et cetera. Um, I think the danger comes as with the internet sharing information at lightning speed, we're able to kind of pick and choose the language that we apply to our current political situation and uh, accept what is uh, confirming for us and reject what is inconvenient for us. And I, I think Roger Stone's latest declarations and proclamations are just the latest example of this. He's not the first, nor will he be the last to to connect these dots. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, I imagine we're going to come back here in a moment and talk in greater depth about you know this process of anointing political leaders and who is or who isn't chosen. Uh, But, you know, especially with Donald Trump's connection to the Pentecostal and charismatic traditions within evangelicalism, there's a real movement in that community to rely on prophecy and apocalyptic language about the results of elections. And that does lead to some pretty concerning consequences uh, for our system of government.
0: All right. So uh, just play a little word association game here for just a moment um, while Daniel and I um, put our notes together on those who are anointed by God and what that actually looks like in the Bible. So put your little thinking cap on for just a moment. I want you to do a little word association, maybe uh, between your name and anything that you know scripture says about your name. So if Roger Stone is just going to play a word association game and he's going to think about the stones in the Bible. Um maybe he's going to think about the smooth stones that David picked up to use to sling at Goliath or maybe he's going to think about the chief cornerstone rejected by men or maybe um he's going to think about um the millstone that could be tied around the neck of those who lead little ones astray. Yeah, there's all kinds of stones. There could be the stone that is rolled away. You can't just do word association. Um, And imagine that that is the mantle of God upon your life. Imagine me having grown up as Carmen Fowler, if if I just done a word association game and then I had imagined, you know what, I'm the snare. I'm uh, I'm the one that sets the snare. The word Fowler is like never positively used in scripture. It's used in a figurative and moral (laughs) way like a half a dozen times. But I got to tell you, never in the course of my life. Um, you know, other than in joking around, you know, have I suggested, you know what, you've been caught in the Fowler's snare. If you're a part of the Carmen Nation, <laughs> you've been caught in the Fowler's snare this morning. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment with Daniel Bennett. I to. Uh, we're going to pivot to a conversation about what the Bible actually does say about God's anointing of political leaders. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. Talking with Daniel Bennett. He's a professor at John Brown University. He also uh, writes the Uneasy Citizenship blog and the forthcoming book by the same title. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel are Ben with two N's because it's short for Bennett. Um, Let's talk about anointing in the Bible. We have a number of um, people across the United States of America who, uh, and actually in some other places around the world as well, um, who prophesy that Donald Trump is the anointed one of God. Um, Can you talk with us a little bit about what the Bible actually says about those whom God anoints and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we go back to First uh, Samuel and the accounts of, of Saul and David, these are the first things that come to my mind when I when I hear anointing. Um, well, I mean, let's just go to the let's just go to the passage, right? I have First Samuel opened here, chapter ten, uh, verse one. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, talking about Saul, and kissed him and said, "Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel?" And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Now, this is a great blessing, right, for a, for a king to be anointed by a, a prophet and someone who is uh, speaking uh, and has a direct line to God. Uh, and, you know, we see this uh, with Saul. We certainly see it with David, just a pretty short time after Saul. Uh, and we see this throughout other periods of time in, in the periods of the kings in, in uh, Old Testament history um and i think there's a temptation to look at our leaders today and uh when it's a leader that we particularly resonate with uh to say well clearly for maybe we can look at scriptural reasons or maybe look at this particular moment for such a time as this to to borrow some of that language um this person must be anointed or chosen or elected uh by god to lead in this moment um And I do think that's dangerous to take this process of anointing from the Old Testament, which is a very specific type of of uh, choosing by God in that way, and then apply it to our democratic uh, accountability system of government, where we have transitions of power, where politics can be messy, it's conflictual, it's complicated, uh, and then say, well, this is clearly the same situation that we saw in the Old Testament. And just as a quick aside here, Saul was anointed king, right? We have that clear in the Old Testament. That didn't go so great for Saul, right? It was not a good ending for someone like Saul, and uh, and it, so so when we talk about anointing, it's not always it's not always going to yield a positive outcome.
0: Right. I mean, I, when we talk about anointing, we talk about with an anointing with oil, in particular. Um, I guess maybe one of the stories that immediately comes to mind for me is the you know anointing of Jesus. Mm. uh un- under a table at a dinner party. Um, mm. you know, where his his feet are anointed. I mean, you know, pure nard. Um, and that's uh this anointing in preparation for crucifixion. It's actually like preparation of his body for for what is coming that he is gonna offer himself up as a sacrifice. So I guess if we think of um if we think of anointing as something that is true of every Christian I'm less uncomfortable when people refer to a particular person being anointed for a particular task or even to serve in a particular office. Um, If, however, people imagine that what we mean by it is that a particular individual is anointed by God in place of prophet, priest, and king um, Mm. as a substitute for Christ as the head of, um, of his people, then I have... A, a deep concern. So do you see the, do you see how I could, um, I could have a conversation with a person who believes that an individual is anointed for a particular time and place and task and yet resist this idea that a particular person is quote unquote, you know, like God's chosen one, yeah, um, uh, equated with Saul or David or Jesus.
1: Yeah. And I think this is the, I think you've hit the heart of the matter here. It's when we take this, this process of anointing and, you know, that's clearly in the Bible. And I think your connection to Jesus obviously is, is is completely right on, but it's when we apply these things selectively. It's when we say, well, Donald Trump was anointed because X, Y, and Z. I mean, he won the election in 2016, right? Clearly he's anointed, clearly he's chosen and God's chosen leader. But then in 2020, right? When we have a situation where Joe Biden becomes president, a lot of these same voices aren't then saying, well, Joe Biden is then God's chosen leader. There's a rejection of that statement, right? There's an, there's a rejection of this idea. Well, Joe Biden can't possibly be God's chosen leader or anointed. right? It's still Donald Trump. And in order to make that fit our pre-constructive narrative, we're going to then try to explain away the outcome, of what was objectively and factually a fair election. And that's where we get down these rabbit holes of misinformation, conspiracism, when we try to make reality fit our incon- inconvenient, or when we, we try to make inconvenient reality fit our pre-constructed narratives about the world. So that's my political science hat on this. Um, but as a Christian, I, I think you're exactly right. We all in our, various, in our various ways, whether we're president of the United States, a governor of a state, uh, serving in the local church, uh, hosting a radio show, being a college professor, uh, being a, a stay-at-home mom and taking care of your children, being a dad who goes out and works as an electrician or as an accountant or as an engineer. We all are in that space chosen, and if, if we're Christians, right, anointed for a particular place uh, for a specific reason, if we believe in God's sovereignty and providence. And I think I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that, right? I think that's biblical, but it's the selective reading to say only the things with which I agree are evidence of God's sovereignty. Everything else we have to find ways to explain away. And I think that's really dangerous.
0: I think that's um, that's helpful. And... I think hitting the pause button anytime someone makes a declaration, um, particularly in advance of their own platform. Um, And so I I always think about the source in terms of the declaration of this person is anointed for this thing. And how is that advancing or elevating the platform of the person making the declaration? That's, that's always a part of that conversation as well for me. Uh, And I do think that the be careful, what you say, and how you say it, and where you say it, and to whom you say it. It's just recognition that we're going to each be responsible before God for the things that we have said, um, particularly if we are speaking on his behalf. And every time that a Christian speaks, we are representing God. I mean, we are representing him. We are his representatives in the world. And so um, if you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, then you are a person who is responsibly bound for the words that you use and the things that you say and the way in which you say them. Uh, and so I think this is a be very careful what we say, because I don't want to lead people. Um, I don't want to lead people into falsehood at all. And and so um, I think the being very careful that what we say about what God is doing this is one of the reasons I'll just tell you Daniel when people like ask me to pray a specific way or they ask me to pray that God would bless something I'm like, "Hmm, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to ask God to just be God." Like, right? I'm going to trust that God's going to be God. Yeah. God's going to do what God's going to do. Um God is the source of every good and perfect gift. He 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 is he is the blesser and the lover, and I'm going to trust him to be those things. But in terms of praying with specificity, for one yeah. thing, I also recognize the flip side of that. And and that often means that I am praying for something bad to happen to someone else, if I'm praying for this particular mm. good thing to happen to you. And so I, you know, again, it's never a teaching moment in the midst of it when people ask you to pray for something. I tend to pray more generally that, you know, God would demonstrate who he is and that God would um you know provide in this circumstance as he as he wills, that he would work out. Um, you know, his perfect will in this person's life. Um, and they feel prayed for and they are prayed for, but I have not often prayed in specifically the way that they've asked. Do you, do you see that? Like, I think that as Christians, there's, yeah. there's some thinking that must go into the way we use words, the way that we pray and the things that we say we are bringing God to bear upon.
1: Yeah, no, and I think all we have to do is look at the, the words of Jesus in the New Testament when he is uh, responding, you know, teach us how to pray. He doesn't instruct his disciples and, and those reading him, you know, 2,000 years later to pray, you know, say, you know, I pray for this specific outcome and for this specific uh, blessing in, in this situation. And let's tear down our enemies over here, right? It's your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's what we pray, is your will, God's will to be done. And if we have confidence in that, that regardless of the situation here on earth, whether it's a presidential election or whether it's a corporation's decision to offer merchandise uh, or or market merchandise in a way that, that bothers our sensibilities, we can have confidence that God's will is being done uh on earth as it is in heaven that doesn't mean we have to sit idly back and just wait for the world around us to to evolve and to change we're we're still called to be engaged in the world Um, but there's a confidence and a comfort that comes with that if god the author of the universe the creator of the universe right if his will is being done and that's what we're praying for i can't think of much better uh outcome than that for christians
0: Thank you uh, so much, Daniel. we got to leave it right there. I have way run over time. we got another hour of mornings with Carmen up next. Oh, now Paul says i got to take it to the end of the hour, so I'm going to do that. All right, good morning to uh, to each of you and all of you on the text line. Good morning to Rick, driving the old Dutch potato truck uh, chip truck this morning. Um, load those bags carefully. Uh, good morning to Gwen and Saginaw. Minnesota and uh, and Jacqueline in Minneapolis, Anita in Hugo. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning to Jeannie in oh in Asheville, North Carolina. Good morning, Jeannie and Lori in Fairmont, Minnesota. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'd love to greet you as well. Send me a text, 877-933-2484. Tell me who you are and where you're listening. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.